know this is hard for you. But winter is coming. Hi everyone and welcome to another Sunday Roast. Uh, we have a wonderful guest with us uh, this week, Liz, uh, Liz Webster. Can you tell us a little bit about yourself, Liz? Yeah, hi, I'm Liz Webster and I am the founder of Save British Farming, which we set up, oh, I don't know, about three years ago. I think uh, it, it was originally Farmers for a People's Vote and we have been strongly uh, fighting against Brexit for some time. So we're here just trying to get the message out about farming and that it also affects people's food. It's not just about farmers, it's about people's food and their food supply. Um, and and that's it, really. <laughs> Fantastic. It's great to have and you on today. We farm as well. We do farm in Wiltshire. <laughs> Very good. <laughs> um, my wonderful co-host, Alex, can you tell us a bit about yourself for anyone who's new to the show? Hi, I'm Alex. I'm a historian, now officially a journalist, author, and I also run my own YouTube channel called Political X which has been going for quite a while. Max, can you introduce yourself, please? My name is Max. I talk about politics and Brexit in particular on my channel called uh, Robespierre. Um, Alex, what's our first topic for today? We've got so many to talk about, as usual. Uh, the news keeps coming thick and fast. We could talk about rack. We could talk about farming. We could talk about Brazil. We could talk about Brexit. And it's all interconnected. Or even Murdoch and Rishi Sunak climbing back on climate change. However, as we've got Liz here, Seems quite appropriate that we go and focus a little bit on farming. Liz, what's going on with farming and Brexit? You've been campaigning for a while. We've been wanting to have you on for a little bit to hear your hear your views. What's what's going on? Well, you know, it's just awful when you you are proved right and you don't want to be right. But everything that I said Brexit would do to farming, it has done and more. It's, it's worse than we thought it would be. Um, and it's it's very depressing <laughs> um, and quite distressing, actually. And a lot of farmers that I speak to or people involved in agriculture are, to begin with, when I'm going, I can see this happening. They were like, oh, no, Liz, it's not. And then they're coming to me and going, even my husband yesterday said, oh, do you know what? I think we're going to have really bad food shortages. <laughs> and I'm like, yeah, funnily that, I, I've been predicting this for some time. I liken it to what happened with COVID. You know, for years we had this thing of, even in Blair's time, I don't even remember, there were lots of scares about viruses and pandemics. And and it was, and then they had a pandemic preparedness unit. And, and then the Conservatives, of course, scrapped it. And then they did um, a review of of our ability to deal with the pandemic. And then they didn't, they didn't, they didn't disclose the results of that review. And then it happened and it was like, oh, God, we've got nothing ready. And I think that's going to happen with food. I really do think the same thing is going to happen because nobody wants to now say we're really in trouble for food at the worst possible time as the world is in trouble for food and we're about to go into the winter of hell. <laughs> that's a good summary of food, basically. <laughs> I'm, I'm going to play slight devil's advocate, Liz. I'm, I'm sorry to say this. But haven't you been saying this for a while, that this food shortage is around the corner and it, it hasn't appeared? Or would that be unfair summarization of views? And that you're just saying it's going to happen. It just that Alex, we're you, you've just you've just proved that you are actually a boiling frog, because we have had food shortages for some time, but you've got used to them, honey. <laughs> <laughs> I'm playing devil's advocate. <laughs> <laughs> 
can't just be an echo chamber as much as we like it here. <laughs> I regularly go into my supermarket these days in despair because the shelves are pretty bad and bleak. And I've just come back from France and I'm like, wow, I remember when our shelves used to look like this, you know. Um, but it started with COVID and that's why it was confusing and everybody panicked and went and bought bog roll. But ultimately, <laughs> um, food is becoming shorter in supply. And if you listen, I did a podcast this week with Byline Time with Shane from the Cold Chain Federation and he confirms this. Food is becoming shorter in supply and it's coming from further away. Um, and that's the reality because farmers in Britain are producing less food and the European suppliers are less in, less inclined to send food here because they've got nothing to take back or not so much to take back because smaller um, exporters in Britain are not exporting to Europe anymore. Um, and, and that's the reality. So it's a, when I said food shortages are coming, I'm talking to the government and saying, you need to be putting money in, dig for Britain, because producing food is something that takes a long time. You, you can't sort of go, oh, I'm going to go out and produce five million steaks ready for tomorrow. It doesn't work like that. Um, there's a long lead up to it. Um, yes, with certain things, you can, you can do it quite quickly. But food production is complicated, costly, and needs a lot of planning. Um, Five-year five-year windows you're looking at um, and that has there's been no planning there is no food plan there is nothing we are totally underprepared and they hope the supermarkets and the processes will pick up the pieces here i find it really good that darren's just popped in hey darren and he has that amazing picture of johnny cash in the background <laughs> which has a song that literally talks about the four horsemen of the apocalypse <laughs> yeah <laughs> He also wrote a song called A Boy Named Sue as well. <laughs> Darren, can, can, you tell Darren. Us a, can you tell us a little bit about yourself, Darren, for anyone who's new to the show? Um, uh, yeah, I'm Daily Blase, and uh, I, I've had my channel for a few years, and after years of trying to find a niche, I've tended to find a niche where I just go into select committee meetings and check all things in house of commons and uh, try and make a little entertaining five minute video <laughs> to entertain hopefully inform oh, it's good stuff darren uh we, we will come on to that shortly we are on the topic of farming right now and how how it's affecting everyone and liz has essentially said and please correct me if i paraphrase this incorrectly liz but we're in for food shortages probably uh, more significant food shortages coming in this winter. Winter is coming. Winter is coming. <laughs> Would that be a fair summarization, Liz? Yeah, I, I think you will see some tightening of, of supply, particularly for the, you know, the greenhouse growers, for your, uh, your fresh produce, peppers, tomatoes, cucumbers, that kind of thing. Um, but also, winter vegetables are not, there's just, Farmers are just growing less food, and the world itself is also having food problems. And there's been a, a very bad um, health storm in Spain, I just read about, which has taken thousands and thousands of acres of produce out of the system. And then you combine that in with the Ukraine war and what that's done, and the shortage of fertilizer. You know, without fertilizer, you're looking at your yields more than halving. So all of this is meaning that the food supply in the world is shorter, a lot shorter than it was. And 
our food security here in Britain is is under a lot of pressure, and and we've also cut off from our our, our food bank in Europe. <laughs> We're in a very delicate position. Do, do, do you think t- Tory MPs understand this, or they just? don't understand like is it they understand and just ignore the problem or do you think they they just really don't understand um, the issue of the farming I, I think a lot of our MPs I, I think from all parties don't really understand we've had a very good food system and it means that no one's really had to focus on it everything's always worked seamlessly and the supermarkets have been in control so the supermarkets have got the money they've got the consumers and they've managed to hammer down farmers with prices um, which has kept us out of the loop. I mean, thanks a lot to Margaret Thatcher giving them so much power. Um, and so as a result, they tend to sort of think farmers are peripheral and you're just little hobby horses and, and you don't really matter. Um, they might take more notice of some of the bigger producers. You know, there are some big producers, but I don't think they are particularly, um, particularly with some of the chicken uh, producers who are who produce the cheapest staple uh, of protein. Um, and those guys, because of the energy uh, costs, are, are, are really under a lot of stress, plus the shortage of labour. You know, it's everything. Every, all the worst things are happening all at the same time. I think politicians these days are more led by what's popular. They look at the, you know, what are people thinking about and who's doing this and how am I going to get attention? Instead of thinking, I'm in charge and I'm responsible for this. But I can assure you that when we do get bad, bad food shortages, you know, no government will last that. No government survives severe food shortages. And we haven't really had any severe food shortages or, 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 or lengthy food shortages. So it'll be interesting to see how it plays out. I mean, it could be that India, um, you know, says, OK, we'll, we'll make sure you've got some food parcels. I don't know. But I keep asking this question, where is the food going to come from? And I think because we're a wealthy country, I know we're going through some difficulties, it means that we will pay more for food and probably the real, the really bad suffering that we will see will be in the Middle East and in Africa, which is already having uh, food problems. But that's not to say that we won't have food problems. And I'll add to this, in the last year, you, the hospitalizations in Britain for malnutrition have gone through the roof. Here in the UK, the latest figures show more than a million children in the UK received food aid last year. This data suggests nearly one in five households in the UK ate less food or skipped meals in September. That's an estimated 9.7 million adults. So when we talk about food problems, the rich will always eat and the wealthy will always eat. Um, it is the poorer people that will be mostly impacted, but we will see more blanks on our on our supermarket shelves. Yeah, I ran a few calculations on calorie intakes, and I compared it to that of the French Revolution. So UK calorie intakes for the poorest thirty percent. I think I can't remember who did the study, but I think it was about two thousand per day is what the average poor person has in the UK. Think. Before the French Revolution, the average calorie intake was 1,800. So we're 250 calories away from being in a similar situation as the French Revolution. And it's, as you said, people aren't taking it seriously. Crop yields across Europe are down because of climate change. 10% in, I think, wheat and a couple of other key areas. Obviously, as you said, the Ukraine, which is a wheat production. I mean, their flag is based on wheat production. 
like that's or sunflowers that's how yeah, yeah. <laughs> and it was interesting as well i mean obviously i played a bit of devil's advocate earlier YouGov did a poll which said that 31 asking people if they know it's a food shortage 31 percent came back and said that according to the YouGov poll that they'd seen food shortages I'll, I'll add to this i've been to spain and france recently and i went into pharmacists and asked have you got shortages of certain tablets they looked at me as if i was nuts they were like what do you mean shortages i said well you know in the uk we can't get these and they looked at me and like are you serious they both yeah 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 so they were like oh my god so if you ask i've got a number of friends that are on a variety of different tablets for a variety of different reasons whether that's to do with the menopause or or other ailments that they've had and they're saying they're being switched by doctors onto different tablets which is having a, a side effect which isn't being reported in the news but then you go over to Italy, Spain, France, they don't know what you're talking about. And it's, as you said, you were just over there looking at all the supermarkets. They're full to bursting. Even with the 10% reduction in crop, I don't think it's what's being reported here is being reported over in Europe. Well, just I'd like to bring in um, Darren in a moment, but mm. it was, um, you know, what was it uh, last year that there was the, the tomato shortage um, because of the, the storms in Morocco and in Spain? Um, but in in the rest of Europe, the effect the effect was was quite minor because those shelves continued to be refilled. But what happened in Britain was because it was outside the single market, it was left to the end. So whatever was left over went to Britain, and then of course whatever's left over would be more expensive. So supermarkets may decide, well, it's actually not worth supplying these shelves, or it's um uh we'll just b- bring in a minimum stock. Um, Darren, Darren, what's your take on on the current state of Brexit? Well, whenever I hear it being brought up in the House of Commons, the first thing they will say is you are missing out on all the opportunities that Brexit has given you, and then they'll go on to a tirade of saying you are talking the country down. We are great, and we are fantastic, and we are magnificent. And that's their get-out-of-jail-free car to just say, stop talking the country down. You don't know what you're talking about. And that's just the way how it is. Because that, 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 that article that Liz brought up, and, and I was reading it, I was just kind of shocked. I read that little bit when uh, these people who've had their land pinched off them, and then they're being forced to work on the land that was originally theirs for some of them at the age of nine year old and uh, up to about 79 pence a day. I could imagine Jacob Reese moth mog chunk choking on his Aussie in- hormone injected beef thinking how outrageous paying him that much. Disgraceful. If it were me, I'd have him shoved up chimneys as well. And, and, and the, I've watched it a few times, you know, especially in business and trades topicals. As soon as the Brexit comes up, that's it. It's uh, stop talking the country down and uh, you are paying, yeah, sovereignty. And you are all your, because of you, you lot, businesses are missing out on these fantastic Brexit op, op, uh, opportunities. And you're sat there thinking, that's, they're just going to continue to say that. I always remember when, um, is it, is it, Bowl hat man. I always remember. Mm. I always remember him once saying in a video. He once said, "I've got a got a bit bit of my wall ready for when when they say this isn't the Brexit that I voted for on some <laughs> newspaper." I'm thinking you'll be a long time waiting. They just play the charade. They'll just keep the charade going, you know. 
like I said, with 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 tablets. <laughs> Me and my wife, we, we our romantic night night in is uh, is uh, reading tablets that we're both on. We both we both rattle on a night because like because I have to look after my blood pressure and with my problems that my wife's had as well. And <laughs> my wife's noticed the odd couple of times that odd couple of tablets have gone onto a different type of brand. So it that does resonate with me. But like as you say, it's not in the newspapers because of a simple reason. They're not going to print it, are they, really? Because they're no fun. <laughs> they're, they're, um, they're going to have to admit the, the the absolute mess that Brexit is, and they're not going to admit the admit it, are they, really? Um, Liz, can you tell us a bit about the the story um, that Darren was talking about um, with farming in Brazil? So, uh, Brazil, yes, Brazil. Well, you know, the Conservatives. The Conservatives were elected with manifesto pledges to get Brexit done, a miracle Brexit that was as hard as possible, but there wouldn't be any borders. And also they were going to uphold our high standards for, for food, environment and animal welfare. Well, you know, it was always the case that they couldn't deliver all of those things. Um, and um, it, it's come to pass that they lied and they lied and they lied. And now we're seeing that we do have borders but they only punish us at the moment. They're not punishing Europe and the rest of the world because they can send anything here. Um, and then with Brazil, they have had extra checks because of having problems, health problems, uh, with, particularly with uh, salmonella, but they've also had cases of BSE. But DEF has sent over uh, a contingent to t- check their, their latest standards. And despite failures, they still then decided to remove these extra checks for products to come in from Brazil. Now, before they remove these extra checks, since Brexit, imports from Brazil of meat have gone up, and that's including chicken, have gone up by 67%. Now, as they've now removed these checks, you can be absolutely certain that these numbers are going to intensify. and then this week, there's been a, a story come out in the Times, um, which says that uh, Tesco pledged that it was going to ban Brazilian products because of the um, rainforest clearance. And they have been caught out selling Brazilian meat. And um, and they, they have um, shown themselves to be, uh, well, whatever you want to call it, greenwashing. Um, and then on top of that, the farmers who were promised by Rishi Sunak that he loved them and he took them in there to sit on hay bales and patronise them, as far as I'm concerned, with that little stunt. Get up there first. Yeah. <laughs> I'm here at Rittle College meeting with apprentices who work in our farming sector. I've been talking to them about the changes I announced yesterday, ensuring that we're on track to deliver net zero, but while minimising the burden on working families, bringing people along with us and hitting world-leading targets. This is particularly important for families in rural and farming communities who are facing huge costs and are the backbone of their local economies. I'm going to make the big decisions, even if they're difficult, that are right for the long-term interests of our country because that's how we're going to bring change and build a better future for our children um and of course they're not going to look after the british farmers they're going to look after the brazilian um sugar system which in in a large part actually is owned by um british multi uh, millionaires 
um, and uh, and they're going to increase the amount of sugar that comes in, which is Tate and Lyle. Um, and Tate and Lyle, of course, are big sponsors of the Conservative Party. I don't know if you remember when they with their conferences, they had those lanyards with um, Tate and Tate and Lyle on there. So, oh, you're so cynical. I don't know. <laughs> And uh, yeah, I mean that—that's—that's that's what we're seeing. So British sugar, um, good old British sugar, which is much better for your health, um, and it's also been farmed sustainably and doesn't use slave labour, unlike um, some of the farms over in uh, South America. Um, but this is this is the way it's going, and this is what I said would always happen. Um, and um, and it's 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 worrying. Um, it's worrying for our public health. It's worrying for the climate, and it's worrying for our food security. Because if we're relying on people on the other side of the world to feed us, if there's a war, as we know, we lived through that in the Second World War. There's problems of getting food supplies in here. Um, but more than that, it means that countries can hold us to ransom. You don't need to yeah. uh, have a nuclear weapon to to look after yourself when countries can just say well you know what britain if you don't do as you're told we're going to starve you and i find that position very uncomfortable it is it's uh it's also very interesting to see that the government can't see that and that they're so ideologically driven by free trade and the idiocy of patrick but alex how is it free trade when we have got shackles around our legs it's and this not. huge amount of petty fogging bureaucracy to export anything. That's um, my point. It's, it's, it's punishing it's, Britain. It's punishing Britain. Just as uh, Elizabeth pointed out there, like they keep saying free trade, but ask the Cheshire Cheese Company about free trade. They can't, they've pretty much closed down uh, all their exports to the European Union because they would produce small consignments and they had to have, have a health certificate with each. Uh, a veterinary mm-hmm. certificate with each uh, consignment and they went look it's not like i can't send a roll of cheese that costs like 20 pounds and add an extra 120 pounds or whatever or 70 quid or whatever it is for the veterinary health certificate it just it's it's in it's, it's not feasible well i'll tell you what's happening with cheese and um, because we've done a bit of an update and, and this is when my husband realized or, or uh, accepted there's going to be food problems a lot of cheese producers are now exporting and they're exporting to countries like America. And Brexit hasn't made that easier. They could always have exported to America, but they, they're now sending larger amounts of cheese out to the States and other countries because um, the supermarkets in Britain are not offering them enough money. And this is going to impact our food security, as I said. Farmers will always find a way to make money. Um, and um, so, you, and I get lots of this, you know, you farmers, you voted for it. I don't feel sorry for you. And I can keep saying to them, it's not about farmers. It's about our food, everybody's food. And none of us are safe in a country when there's food shortages, because if there's wholesale um, disruption, none of us are safe. And that's why I stand up and try and explain what is going on, because it affects all of us. None of us are safe. Not even the people that live in palaces would be safe. The the, the free trade I was referring to with Patrick Minford, he started yabbering on about how it would be free trade, but you will wreck your own industries, but that doesn't matter because in the long run, it'll benefit. Well, I think that uh, it's perfectly true that if you remove protection of the sort that has been given in particular to the car industry and to other manufacturing industries inside the protective wall, 
you have got uh, you're going to have a change in, in, in the situation facing that industry and you, you are going to have to run it down and it will be in your interest to do it just in the same way that we ran down the coal industry and the steel industry these, these things happen so he was suggesting I don't think he brought up farming which is interesting but he definitely brought up the car manufacturing industry into steel and basically said, run it down, it's not profitable, not compared to a global stage, and therefore it's not worth it. And that, that, that's that weird level of free trade, because as you said, they're putting restrictions on you, but allowing everyone else in the world to do whatever they want, including slave labor, as you pointed out. One of the other interesting things, uh, which you'll probably never hear, but relating to Brazil and their ports, I, I had the privilege of living in Brazil for about two years, and I'm very aware of how... I was told that the ports worked, which is basically they're run by the Brazilian mafia, which most people aren't aware of, which means that they're not going to do any checks. I have, I've got one friend who had stuff being brought, moved over from America back to Brazil. And in order to get her stuff taken out of the port, she had to bribe the port authorities to allow the release. So she's already paid the fee, but she had to pay an extra fee just to release it because they realized how much value there was in the stuff that she was importing from the US. The other one, which was stunning, um, I found out a friend of mine who was German was working in one of the ports out there, one of the biggest ports. And basically, one of the cleaning crews came to him and offered him money. And he was like, why are you offering me money? I don't want your money. And they were like, well, you hired us. So we've got to pay you money for hiring us to work in these ports. And he was like, no, don't do that. Keep the money. I've just hired you for a job. That doesn't make any sense. Why would you pay me to work for me? I then later found out that he had received threats because he hadn't taken the bribe because it then changed the whole setup of what was taking place inside the ports because the the gangs that were running it want that bribery to continue. But that then means that I don't, that will not have changed. Not since I lived there. I know for a fact that won't have changed. That is cemented into that area. You would need, especially as they've just got rid of Bolsonaro, who and Lula's only just come in and this was happening under Lula and Bolsonaro. So you're going, well, how can that work? They're not going to do the checks. It's not in their interest. That's not why they're running the ports. And these are some of the biggest ports in South America. The, the other thing, and I will finish on this note, has anyone heard about the red fire ants that have just sprung up in my old town of Syracuse? No. <laughs> this is a new one. Again, most likely it's come from Latin America as a theory, most, most likely from Brazil. Red fire ants have suddenly sprung up in the town of Syracuse in Sicily which is quite worrying because these things once they're there can't be gotten rid of these things are hell they are survivors they are able um they're the latin terminology for them is undefeated that is how they're described as an animal presence they can be deadly they do kill people in small numbers across the across the US and um South America but they just they've got the ability to adapt to almost any environment so if they flood, they can turn into a ball that floats on water. If you if you try, they yeah, they they have the ability. If they fall from a long height, they turn to almost like a sticky substance, which slowly moves down. Yeah, I know this is absolutely crazy what these creatures can do. So you can't drown them. They they seem to be able to get out of any environment. They basically. sound like Michael Gove. <laughs> get out of any situation, slimy and all sorts of things. <laughs> Undefeated. <laughs> oh, dear. But, but it says to me that no one's doing checks over there 
and no one's doing checks over here. And it's actually something that got brought up in an article being like, it's a concern I, that's I, turned up in Sicily. I just, I just it's Googled a it. What and might happen in the UK. It's in the mail nine days ago. An infestation of red fire ants could soon swarm the UK. It's in the Daily Mail, so it must be true. <laughs> but, 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 like, for, for, for checks on things coming into the United Kingdom, which are not being carried out because Jacob Rees Mogg said it'd be too expensive, be too expensive to implement that aspect of Brexit. What you can have is you can have goods coming from uh, South America or whatever arriving in the in the European Union not being checked because their consignments going directly to the United Kingdom so they can come into the European Union and then find their way into the United Kingdom without being checked um because in Europe they say well there's no need to check this this is not for the European market it's for the UK market and and there are real concerns about swine flu and other um pathogens coming in so I, I I tried to bring this to Peter Foster's attention at the FT actually right at the beginning um, of Brexit or you know in 2021. Uh, I know a, a food producer who uh, or processor who imported some um, products some starch from India, and it arrived um, in Portsmouth unchecked and it was packaged in India when it was wet, so and wrapped, and it arrived here full of bugs. And I mean he had the good sense uh, to get rid of it. Um, and destroy it but uh, not you know a lot of people won't they'll dig through it and say well I still have to use this and that's going into the food chain um, and and that so that has been going on now for over two years these sort of products have been arriving here um, and there really has been very little attention on it until this fifth um, uh, pushing back of these checks which has got more attention but people haven't fully understood that it's not just products from Europe it's products from all over the world anywhere including fire ants yeah coming in yeah it's amazing isn't and it for a group that tries to pride themselves on border security they are openly saying we're not going to implement it and they're letting every single smuggler every single gang every single mafia group n to know that they've advertised it we're not checking yeah they're, they're telling everyone to be scared of, of asylum seekers that's that's saying, oh, be scared of these. Has anyone ever seen an asylum seeker? Not, not many probably have. <laughs> and and they're more likely to get killed from, uh, yes, botulism, probably. Yeah. What are your thoughts on this, Darren? <laughs> oh, dear. <laughs> it's just frightening, isn't it? It's, it's like, I, I, I find it, because like I say, well, I'm a, I live up in Yorkshire and, and, and I still bump i still bump into some of my old friends and uh some of them voted brexit and they and and when it comes to um his case starmer's tender footing around it i can slightly understand why because as soon as he mentioned about sort of like uh renegotiating with with uh, the european union oh, I, saw, I, I saw swamps of facebook stuff <laughs> Given, given, uh, given it both barrels to Rishi Sunak and Keir Starmer as well, and you just think, oh, clearly they just get the 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 pit, but their information from the the Sun or the Daily Mail or the Express, and yeah, it, it, I, I've even I've noticed because we get, we get our apples, and you can tell that they've been in in the fridge for quite a while before they've re reached here, so and. And uh, I'm thinking, dare a bite into it. <laughs> I, feel, I feel very old saying this, but it does feel like food doesn't last as long in the fridge. Is that yeah. is that fair, Max? 
No, well, like I remember Phil from a different sleep. Phil from a different bias was saying about how a lot of the food is. He was saying that you'd you'd buy it on a Monday and it would normally be okay, you know, by the end of the week. But now it's a case of you buying something on a Monday and by Tuesday you have to eat it, otherwise it's it's gone off. Um, even if it's something that you would keep in the fridge. Um, in Italy, we haven't seen any real shortages of food. There, there was at the beginning of COVID, there were other types of shortages, but I think that was worldwide. But when it comes to food, I've taken some pictures of the supermarket here and, you know, tomatoes are, are plentiful. I, I, I've The only thing I, when you were talking about medication, I actually went to the local pharmacy a couple of weeks back, or maybe it was a couple of months back, and I asked them about shortages. And they said that there are some shortages related to antibiotics, um, but that's related to the the, the war in Ukraine. Uh, I, I the, the, he didn't go into detail about why that's the case, but it, it, he said that's really the only shortages of medication there are at the moment. But generally, yeah, it, and it's very concerning if there are if there is shortages of, of medication, but not just for humans, but I imagine also for farmers, because this is, you know, you have to uh, treat the animals. Sometimes farmers um, give doses of uh, medicine to the animals themselves or they have to rely on vets. And of course, if there's a shortage, it's more expensive. And if it's more expensive, then you have to pass that cost on to the, the consumer, especially not a good idea if it's a cost of living crisis where people are trying to cut back. Yeah. I, I wish we could pass on the cost, but it doesn't yeah. quite work like that. We're given a price by the supermarkets. <laughs> and, um, and then that's why you're seeing farms give up producing food because this is, they can't afford to produce it any longer. Um, and so a lot, lot of farms are moving into producing maize for AD plants or grass for AD plants or just doing countryside stewardship schemes because there's less risk. Uh, and as I said, that's the problem in that the world is in, under stress uh, um, and our country is, is not doing the right thing and it didn't do the right thing before covid and it's not doing the right thing before the food with the food problem so uh i'm extending my uh veg garden here and i've got a nice freezer full of venison and um i'm taking every portion that i can i didn't before brexit happened i didn't do any stockpiling or anything but um but i i i'm not stockpiling now but i am preparing for um, and I have this summer been living off my veg garden because I haven't been able to get the fruit, the, the salads and stuff that I, I like to eat. I just want to say we, we've been really lucky because the summer has been pretty wet and we we, we, we started growing some. We grow, we grew one plant of um, uh, pump, uh, sorry, um, butternut squash and now it just infested everywhere. And now we have about 40 of them. So we're giving them away to friends and family. <laughs> Yes. Yeah. Yeah. yeah well, you have to get good at cooking. <laughs> yeah. Before before my my operation, I used to enjoy making. Uh, it were either money money maker tomatoes or or wills your taties as well. <laughs> and yeah, I, potatoes. Yeah. Potatoes are one thing that are going to be shorter. There's real problems with potatoes. So um, and and there's definitely going to be problems with apples. So because um, uh, I speak to a wholesaler as well, a farmer and wholesaler, and uh, so he gives me the top and bosh of what's going on we've been having carrots come in from china believe it or not and i don't know if you've seen some of the we've had onions come in from new zealand i mean it's bonkers it doesn't make any sense at all and spies so, um, and what say and spies that's another import russian spies as well imported those yeah. oh oh the things that get into this country without checks <laughs> 
Yeah. <laughs> I know. Talk about climate change and Rishi Sunak's seven awesome bins rollback ideas that Reese Mogg seems to think will save the Conservative Party. Uh, Max, <laughs> what are your initial thoughts? Is that going to save the Conservative Party rolling uh, back for five years? I don't know. See, I think the problem with this is a bit like stop the boats and um, attacking doctors and nurses who are on strike. I think it works with a very small section of society, a very angry group. But those people are already going to vote Tory anyway. So, or maybe Reform UK. But you're not. You need to expand your base. And you know, saying we're going to roll back net net zero net zero policies when the majority of people in Britain support those policies. So they say, yeah, we need to uh, mitigate or de- at least deal with the, the consequences of climate change. We need to move to uh, more renewable energy. We need to move away from petrol and diesel cars, things like this. The majority of people support this. So I really don't understand why Rishi Sunak is doubling down. It could be some people say, it, well, this is a really stupid approach of his. But I think the problem with Rishi Sunak is he lives in a bubble and he's been advised by people who are maybe afraid to say, actually, that's not a good idea. So it's to, they're just reinforcing whatever he already thinks. Um, and you, you've seen it before, like when he went to put petrol in the car and he tried to pay for a Coke with the, with the, the credit card and stuff like this. He, he's not... You know, he's he's not just robotic, but I don't think he's fully human uh, in the sense that he, he doesn't understand ordinary people. He doesn't understand a lot of these things because they're done for him. And I think he's, he surrounds himself. There was a journalist, I don't know who it was, but they had said something like, you know, Sunak likes to be told um, that he's doing well and uh, he doesn't like to be criticized. So he surrounds himself with people who are going to just say, yeah, you're doing the right thing. You're doing the right thing. And and that's why he's doing so badly in the polls, because he's not able to connect with people. And and when he does try and do these things, it's really embarrassing. There was I think he went to, you know, when, when he met with a, a homeless man and he said, like, you know, what bu- what business are you in or are you in business? Or when he went to an Amazon warehouse and he started talking about, like, you know, we're all in this together. You know, <laughs> like you may be on minimum wage and I'm on like, I'm earning. Well, I'm receiving, you know, 30 million pounds a year from uh, from all my investments, whatever. But we're all in it together. Sorry, sorry, Alex, you wanted to jump in. And pay less tax. <laughs> yes. It's 23%. They're paying 37 But we're in it together. <laughs> yeah. So I, I, I think it's a desk, like with uh, Stop the Boats and the NHS week and schools literally collapsing. All of these things are collapsing. Um, and this is just another desperate attempt to 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 hold on to his base maybe he he's not hoping to actually expand but it's it's like if he, i think he, if he wanted to win back some support he would actually double down on these policies and say yeah we need we're actually going to invest more we're going to do this we're going to do that but instead it's like we're not going to do x y and z and that's can, not can going it, to can anyone name anything that they've actually done that's fixed anything uh... like a broken system that's actually been fixed by them can anyone name anything when it comes to electric cars, it seems to be in London where most of the charging is done, like most of the charging points and stuff, because a lot of people have been complaining, like if you're in the north of England or if you're far away from London, you're not seeing any of this. Um, but that's that's a London thing. And that's probably down to the, the mayor of London. It's nothing to do with Westminster. So but it wasn't broken either. No, 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 it that's wasn't broken. Thing. So that, yeah. Like the hospitals are broken. The schools are broken. Farming's broken. Immigration policy that they created has now gotten worse, so I'd argue that's broken. I can't actually they think got of Brexit that... done, no? 
then Rex has not done that. <laughs> Rex will never Are you saying Boris was lying <laughs> for a change? <laughs> I, I heard the, today. The, the, one, the, one thing, sorry, the one thing I heard that, that's, that's working well is the hotel system in London. Uh, there's meant to be more luxury hotel beds in London in, in, uh, than anywhere else in the world. So that's one thing they fixed. For tourists to come and have a luxury break in London. Darren, <laughs> yeah. is, is there any? Can you come up with anything? Um, well, I heard a very, very good analogy this morning uh, from somebody who says, "You've seen that that picture all over him. You know that that turtle stuck on a post. You look at it and you think, how did it get there? And mark the point. Clearly, it doesn't know what it's doing while it's up there either. And he said, "That's Rishi Sunak." <laughs> <laughs> Well, he got there because he he was the less bad option, wasn't it? It was either Liz Truss or... And she crashed and burned, so... He was the default candidate. She's she's still around, but it's good that she's still around to remind everyone about how bad it was. (laughs) That was crazy what she was doing on TV the other day. The the rumour was... She was begging them for a platform and they were pretty much the only ones that would give it to her. So she's desperate, but I mean, the stuff she was saying. I've I've heard all sorts of things about people talking about her mental state, about what type of mentality she has, if she has psychological problems, because she can't see that she's done any wrong. And then there was was also an interesting thing. Max, you did a video on it. There you go, a little plug for you. Um, (laughs) where, 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 Where the member of the IEA was distancing themselves from the person they wanted most in, the, the, the yeah. person they most wanted in. And she tried to but do Weren't you too guys much. right behind her, though? I mean, Liz Truss is Liz Truss. I mean, there were certain things that I supported. But wasn't she your There were certain, there were certain, your, your there were certain things like the energy price guarantee that uh, my colleagues at the IEA criticised quite heavily. To be fair, the IEA were fully heavily. behind Liz Truss. You were fully behind her, so yeah, I just don't quite understand why. Well, I don't think that's true. <laughs> now he's like, oh, no, no, we weren't fully behind Liz Truss. Yes, you were. Liz Truss wants to put one of the IEA members in the house of lords that's one of the guys is on hers honor on her honor list why do you think that's the case i don't know if it's the head the the current head of the iea she wants to put into the house of lords so this is what we're talking about let's just crash the economy she wants to come back and crash it again and why did she do that? Because she was surrounded by idiots, by people who didn't know what the hell they were doing or didn't care about the consequences. Yeah. And you're going, Jesus. So she's done that speech. And then within two days, the IA go, well, we sort of backed it, but not really. And they had to be yeah. pinned down by a comedian yeah. Yeah. To, to, to go, wait a minute. No, you did back them. And Ian Dale, who, you know, is center right, was like, no, no, you backed the, you backed Liz Truss. Yeah. So yeah. what the hell are you doing now retreating? But I mean, that was that was some spectacular stuff. All the stuff yeah. she was great. I, I, she was like, "Yeah, cut yeah. taxes. It's just the taxes. The taxes are always the problem." Yeah, gone down. Yeah, I've I've got to say, I've got to say, as somebody who who's in, into all this stuff, my, my kids aren't. And when she was running to be, she, she was nowhere in sight. And I always said to my, my wife, I says, "She's in top two. She'll she'll get the gig." And I'm showing little excerpts you know where stupid excerpts of her over past history where where she's in house of commons full full house of commons where she's saying what we're going to do to scare off these drones is have guard dogs barking at them you know as if that's going to work and silly stuff like that 
Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And that is a disgrace. And they're looking at us. said, that'll be your next <laughs> prime minister. And looking at me thinking, oh, you're having a laugh, aren't you? And I said, no, she'll be the next prime minister. And I said, I said believe me, she'll be the next prime She's the bee's knees in the Tory membership. And like I've I've watched in past select committee meetings, she is bog awful. She's rubbish. Oh my god! And they, I don't care who it was. They were just tiring knots when she were when she was she foreign secretary. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah. She was she was deputy secretary as well. Port market. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> she she were in in a, she were in the foreign affairs committee. And and I felt sorry for poor lad who he was civil servant or something, you know, a permanent secretary of this or what. And you can tell, oh my God, I'm sat next to this absolute human hand grenade of a lunatic, and I'm getting it in the net because she can't answer a question, making me look like an absolute idiot. You just think as I watch them, I'm thinking, that's good, that's half. That's our prime minister. She is rubbish. Can you imagine what she'd have been like in a liaison committee meeting if she'd have had the chance? There's, there's, there are two, two fantastic interviews with her that um, you have to see if you haven't seen them. And there's a lovely meme. I'll send it on to you, Alex, uh, which you can post up for for the about the difference between politics in the nineteen in nineteen forties, you know, just after Churchill and like the policies that were being pushed and what's happening today. But the two fam- the two wonderful interviews uh, with Liz Truss, I think, are iconic. Are the one where she's with Andrew Neil when Andrew Neil was a good guy. <laughs> Andrew Neil was asking her about how many houses you have built. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. You say you had a plan. You have a plan. You had a plan in twenty fourteen to build 200,000 new starter homes. That was five years ago. How many did you build? Well, there haven't been as many starter homes as we would have liked, How many did you build? I don't have the exact numbers for you. Well, it's easy to remember. It's zero. You built none under that plan. 200,000, zero in five years. (laughs) And And then there was the other one with, uh, I forget who, a guy from LBC. I forgot the name now, but... He, he asked her just after the Brexit referendum, he's like, you know, like, uh, uh, ah, now you support uh, Brexit. And she says, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah well, people um, should be allowed to change their mind. What do you think of having another EU referendum? A very, very, very bad idea. But people can change their minds, can't they? But they were told in the referendum in 2016 that their vote would be implemented. And the reality is the vote needs to be implemented. But you what about the people who like changed the their minds between then and now? People. I don't think people have changed their minds. Everyone I speak to, I have. That's true. Right. You used to be a Remainer. <laughs> you switched. It's like, uh, but, but that's not. That's different. <laughs> yeah. Um, it's pathetic. But uh, Gary um, Gary Stevenson had also been on a show as an economics guru. Came out and said that he spoke to stockholders when Liz Truss was announcing her new economic policy of low tax. And apparently, even the stockholders who are rich were going. Well, this is good for us, but this is so bad. This will cripple the economy, and we'll be end. We'll end up broke anyway. And that's apparently why a lot of them were like backing out, and that's why the markets were back because they were going. This is so detrimental. Even if we could make money out of it, you'll wreck the economy, and we'll lose all that money that we made. I mean, you mentioned there that you were talking to to traders. What what was their reaction generally? Like, can so obviously I'm not on the trading floor anymore, but I do speak to a lot of traders. Um, the people I spoke to, it was just they were literally incredulous. They were like, what are these people doing? The economics of it, are, I think I understand well and are not confusing. 
the thing that is most mysterious is, is the genuine question of why they did it. Why did you do this thing? Um, and I think traders are asking the same thing. It sounds bad to say it, but these are the conversations we were having. It's, are these guys stupid or are they like totally ideologically deranged? These are traders. These are not people who, these guys don't go into, these are not moral philosophers. You know, these guys are interest rates traders, you know what I mean? And they're sitting there thinking, is this government, the UK, you know, being run by people who are mad, basically. And you're going, wow, I've never heard of stockbrokers and traders talking along those lines. Uh, Keir Starmer in PMQs, you know, we all, we all agree he's a bit, it's a bit wooden and a bit stiff. I think he should get a mirror. I think he should, he should stand there and when they turn around and call him uh, Sir Flipflop and, and do the projection that they do, he should get a mirror and bounce it back at them, you know? <laughs> I think it would be quite a powerful trick to play on them because, you know, it, it, they literally are so good at, at... They're very good at creating an absolute mess. I mean, Liz Trust is has done everything. Between Liz Trust and Boris Johnson, they've done everything. They said Jeremy Corbyn would if he became Prime Minister and more, haven't they? Yeah. And they still go on about that. They're still going, oh, well, you back Jeremy Corbyn. It's like... Well, you bought back Boris Johnson, yeah, exactly. who parties while everyone was locked down, and and it's funny how people really need to be reminded of these things because they sort of go, oh well, Kirstam, I don't know if I trust him. You know, he doesn't make up his mind. And like Rishi Sunak has literally U-turned on. I mean, the, they've U-turned on everything, absolutely everything, and then they're getting away with calling Starmer Sir Flip Flop. And he's not even in government. That's anyway. it, isn't it? They keep saying, oh, you vote against us. You've hindered us. It's like, you've got a majority. He's insignificant. Like, yeah, he might have exactly. a bit of influence in the committee meetings and holding you, holding you guys to account on a few things. But he's insignificant. You've got the votes. But, but, you don't yeah. need to listen to anyone else. No, I know, but that, that's well, and also, too. he's in opposition. And he's allowed to flip-flop in opposition because you're coming up with a, a policy ready for the election. Yeah, they rely on the public not understanding these things because most people don't really understand politics and... Like if, no, they don't. I, I don't know, Alex, if you want to do some Vox Pops, but if you go on the street and you ask people, like a lot of people don't even know who the prime minister is, never mind who the leader of the opposition is. The education, we're not educated, or the education system doesn't encourage people to be politically active. That's the problem. Absolutely. They want people to be absent from it. Yeah, and that, segues, that segues very nicely into Darren's video that he did recently, another plug on your committee analysis where i ended up agreeing with mark francois yeah it's an odd place to be in it <laughs> you have to have a shower after that yes <laughs> i'm gonna have to watch this now i haven't seen it i can't imagine agreeing with mark francois <laughs> yeah and what the other thing that will shock you about our brexit spartan he actually goes to the gym no. <laughs> yes. Well, tell us, tell us about this. <laughs> tell us about this, Darren. Well, well, as he's um, as he's uh, giving giving it both barrels to the to these these bosses, <laughs> and I felt sorry for him, but in a way, I, I understand why he's getting frustrated because he's there being told that this stuff will be coming, and he's going to his constituencies, const well, his constituents, telling them. Yeah, this is going to happen, and then it don't happen, and then they give him it both barrels because it hadn't happened. Makes him look incredibly dumb and stupid. Magia, this is Mark Francois with our Brexit Spartan we're talking about, so I don't have much time, but I do have sympathy for him. But then he says, on 
I found out on the Saturday before the school, this school was going to open on the Saturday, there was going to, not going to open on the Monday, the Saturday before. Do you know how I found out? He said, he said in the gym, <laughs> <laughs> I found, I spoke to the headmaster in the gym and I, in, and I, I'm sure he said while I was on the cross runner. Yes, he did. Yeah. No. <laughs> yes. Oh. <laughs> this Mark Francois, that you just our Brexit Spartan, our weekend warrior, is sat in this select committee meeting, sweating cobs, absolutely ready to have, have a chest buster, and he's there trying to convince everybody he was on the on the cross runner. You know. Th- those abs the don't make themselves. <laughs> yeah. That six pack won't make itself. No, but yeah, to, I know what you mean, Alex. Yeah, I was sat there thinking, I'm agreeing with him. I said I went for a cold, really long hot shower after that. <laughs> that that tarry <laughs> propaganda off of me. It was. <laughs> but but it's interesting that there that there's pressure being applied to the politicians, to the MPs themselves, because for example, when it comes to schools. You know, not all parents can send their children to Eton or whatever. So they have yeah. to send them to a, a state school. And if the state school is collapsing or risk of collapse, then, you know, the parents don't care whether they voted Tory or Labour or Liberal Democrat yeah. or whatever. They're going to call their MP and if they, and they say to their MP, do take the, get the finger out and do something about this. Because if you don't, then uh, you're going to get punished. Correct yeah. me if I'm wrong. It's his government that have done this. So it's yeah. almost like he's yelling at himself. <laughs> yes, yes. But as I say, when I was watching the select committees, the first thing I saw, uh, uh, it seemed to stare into me when it comes to these Tory MPs, the sheer panic in their eyes, because they, they can see further down the horizon because their seat's going to be under pressure not so long if if this do not get sorted out. <laughs> It was, it was amazing as well within that committee how much he gave away that I wasn't fully aware of. It was that one of the schools, the ceiling collapsed in from the rack, yes. and that was meant to be low risk, which then sent yes. the Department of Education into complete panic. Yes. And then, because they were like, well, if that's low risk, then what's going to happen with... Oh, yeah. And that's... that, And you're going, Gee, they've made they've done nothing for 13 years. But, but also, hos- hospital appointments are being cancelled because... Patients can't be treated yes. in hospitals because of rack, and the government are turning around and saying it's not our fault; it's the doctors who are going on strike. Yeah. Oh yes, those construction worker doctors. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But anyway, yeah. but like but with Brexit, worry. it's always somebody else's fault. Yeah, yes, and and don't worry, Jillian Keegan's got a, already hatched a plan. She's already <laughs> just said that. Hey. So the kids, kids, have <laughs> already petitioned me to. Can we stay in these park cabins? Yeah, let's see how they feel about that when it reaches minus 10 degrees. Yeah. <laughs> we we, we have another guest. We have to get the name of the guest. <laughs> this is Meg. Hello, Meg. Hey, Meg. And she's saying it's quite oh. dinner time, Bobby. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I want to be on the podcast too. <laughs> um, it's, as you said, those porter cabins, I've been in porter cabins, they're horrendous in the winter. It's yeah. damp, it's cold, and they're good. Yeah. But then, then, then the other thing is, if they just spent that money when go- so, this is, where's Gove? This is Gove's fault. He cancelled uh-huh. this along with Cameron and Osborne. So you're going right. So you cancelled this 13 years ago. It had a budget set out for it. So you've got austerity, austerity, austerity. You've cut that. 
And now I'm going, well, how much is it now going to cost? Because you could have done the installments and fixed this slope. But now you're yeah. going to have to rush it in, which means, as usual, all the prices are going to go up because there's a shortage of yes. workers, of specialists, of construction materials needed to fix all this stuff. Plus, oh, when you're desperate, you'll pay, pay anything, won't you? Yeah. And then the porter cabins. There's a shortage. And there's also oh. another problem is that whenever the people are buying the or ordering the porter cabins, the government is a bit stingy with giving the money to, to cover the costs. So the, the schools are going out and ordering stuff. And then when they there was a there was a story where a teacher who had ordered who had spent a hundred pounds on a on a whiteboard that they needed to buy, um, the government were like, Oh, we don't want to cover that. No. <laughs> That's crazy. Like how how the school like so the schools will have to take all of this extra cash out of the budget which they don't have which they don't have because the budgets have been cut over the last number of years and covid like there was a, there was something else hidden within covid that wasn't really talked about but basically all the schools had to pay for their own supply teachers when a teacher was ill from covid the teacher then oh, had to cover that cost God. yeah i know so you're going that that's why their budgets have been scrapped this is also why a lot of sen students aren't getting support because the schools are going well we don't have the budget to hire in someone to look after just one student if, if the school has one student, obviously school numbers of SEN students varies. But if they can't justify the cost, they won't do it. And this is just like, this is horrendous what they've done. Like, as we said, there's not one thing, not one thing that they've really fixed. They, well, so, they, they've been very, very good at cooking crises. I mean, that that's basically what they do. Michael Gove reminds me of uh, Sid, is it Sid in Toy Story? You know, the one who broke all his toys? Yeah. <laughs> 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 He is just the chief destructor and he just sort of can look so sort of, um, you know, this sort of, he looks like a boy really, doesn't he still, sort of with his glasses and he looks like, you know, he hasn't done anything wrong when he is really the chief architect of all the destruction, particularly in education. I, I went to a meeting once with him in 2009 because my son was a victim of a very uh, serious attack at, at a school which was run predominantly by Tories. And that's when I had awakening to how bad things were being run. Um, and, um, yeah, he really is a, a, a you know, very, um, well, it, it's hard to know what his intentions are. He's, he's, um, what, you know, what does, what is he trying to achieve apart from, I don't know, being in power to destroy, I think that's what it must be because everything he's touched, not the Midas touch, it's the destruction touch. <laughs> yeah. Yes. <laughs> Yeah, absolutely. Midas to Megatron. Um, I've got a quick question then. What would you do to fix if you could implement one policy, Liz, for farming? What and you know you've been given the power to do it. What policy would you put in overnight that might alleviate some of the issues? Well, I would rejoin the European Union uh, pronto, um, and that would definitely give us uh, a, a, a lot of um, uh, would help with the sleepless nights. And uh, yeah, put some money into farming and bring in a, a food plan. That's what we need. Um, a dig for Britain approach and modern, you know, there's look, there's been a lack of investment in food production in, in this country. We have, we've taken it for granted that other countries will feed us. So we need to modernize, incentivize, prepare people probably for more factory farming and accepting that because that is how you you up your production a bit more, and um, and that's the way to go, and um, so that's what I would do. But um, joining the European Union sorts out the economy, it sorts out the food system, uh, and then that hopefully will save our literally crumbling public services. 
Um, and that is that's the only solution in my view. I don't think there is any other magic solution. Daily? Uh, uh, about farming. Oh, anything, you get policy for one, um, one policy. Magic wand um, is enacted overnight. Um, when, it <laughs> when it comes to school, I, 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 would, I would probably say more, more lessons in in better critical thinking and more lessons on pol politic politics and st studies stuff side stuff because that as say I said growing up as a as a little boy you know I first had my experience of watching a little bit of PMQs and I found it fascinating I, I just did and then when I went to school the upper school the where you had choices and one of them were politics and I thought Oh, now that's my lesson. I thought I'm I'm mad for that. I put that one of my first choices, and after about over a thousand odd pupils, only two of us put a name down for that. Only two. Wow. Only two. So they so they scrapped it. So I had to pick another lesson. For me, it should be in the in the curriculum. Come what may, better critical thinking and and more more. More lessons on how politics works, I suppose. Max, you've got that magical ability. You could put one policy on. Would it be? I, I'd say UBI, Universal Basic Income. Um, but when it comes to <laughs> when it comes to farming, I think bring back allotments and uh, and teaching people how to grow food because I think it's so it's going to be really important. Not, of course, not everyone has the space, especially like if you're living on in a flat in in a big city or whatever. But where people have a bit of space or a lot of space to people so that they can do something. And it's also good just to be out of the house or, or spending time with others, learning techniques. Like we, we started a little veggie garden last year and we've learned so much. My wife has started taking the, 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 the crops that have survived and taking the seeds out and, and regrowing them so that they're adapted to the soil. So there is, it's, um, and I didn't know anything about any of this. So this is something really important. And it's you good. You can taste the difference. Can't you can you? taste it. Yeah. Yeah. You definitely can. Um, and you don't you need to go to the gym because it's good exercise. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I might bump into Mark Francois. <laughs> and Alex, yeah. Alex, what, what would you do if you were prime minister or king for a day? Can I ban the Tory party? <laughs> that, that within the rules. <laughs> well, you are uh, prime minister. Oh God! Uh, if I, if I, uh, solar panels. If I, if I had, the, I'd say every house that has the ability to hold a solar panel with batteries, overnight, bang, done. Uh, there was a study done in 2014 for London alone. If every every building, I believe it was every building. I don't think it was residential. Every building that could put a solar panel on it had a solar panel it would generate five gigawatts a year of electricity and the city needs about 70 gigawatts a year to operate so that would instantly bring down costs and of electricity bills straight over yeah. do that across the country that would be my little and changing the voting system we What's need that? to change the voting we need to change the voting system yeah pr yeah, yeah. Lots, lots and lots of people are talking about that at the moment with the with the change in the pr that's definitely i mean i i would go for the two party Two chamber approach would put the House of Lords as PR and you'd have to put bills in simultaneously. It's a little bit more complicated, but it balances it out quite nicely. But anyway, bye everyone. Bye bye. <laughs> bye bye. Bye bye.
tune in next week for another exciting story from the files of Police Squad. Can I, can I just, Darren, yeah, is sure. there any way we increase the light in your room a little bit and show off that gorgeous face of yours? Oh, right. <laughs> that gorgeous face. Face you oh, could chop I... me, Tom. <laughs> <laughs>